1 Corinthians chapter 12, as we talk about being managers of God's spiritual gifts. God's spiritual gifts. Story many, many, many decades ago in Chicago, Chicago Kent School of Law, there was a man named Mr. Overton. And he was a blind man, and he won top honors in his class uh, to be a lawyer. And at his speech that he was sharing, he gave half the credit to his friend, Mr. Kapczynski. And Kapczynski, he, as he related in the story, they had met at a stairwell in the school. You see, Mr. Kapczynski, he had no arms. He was born without arms, and Overton was blind. And so they worked out a deal that Overton would carry Kapczynski's books and that Kapczynski would read to Overton. And it was through that process that they both were able to graduate and Overton was successful and the story goes that they actually went into law practice together. No believer is complete by himself. We are to minister to one another as a family. That's a great picture of interdependence, of seeing that there was a need and working together for the common good. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, as we talk about spiritual gifts today, Paul says in verse 1, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is, is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. And may God add his blessing at the reading of his word this morning. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we commit our hearts and our time to you, Lord. We ask you to search our hearts. Help us as we hear your word. Help us to allow it to do its work in our lives. And help us, Lord, just to be open, to be encouraged, to be challenged, to maybe sharpen our spiritual gifts. Whatever each one of us takes away, may we grow more in the image of Christ through what we share today. We pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Our purpose today is that every believer has spiritual gifts to share with the, for the benefit of their personal spiritual growth, ministering with the body of Christ, and to evangelize the lost. This morning, we're going to give you a quick reminder or an overview. Maybe you've studied a lot spiritual gifts. Maybe you haven't thought about it for a while. Maybe you've never studied spiritual gifts. But I just want to give you an overview of what the Bible teaches. In the past, we've preached several weeks on this particular topic. And there are numerous sections of the New Testament that talks about this very important topic. But for today... We're going to give you a broad summary from 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 11. So first of all, in your outline, what are spiritual gifts? What are spiritual gifts? Well, as we read those first three verses in 1 Corinthians 12, a little background. In verse 1, Paul wants to make sure the believers at Corinth had a clear understanding of what spiritual gifts were. They were not to be ignorant. This was an idiomatic phrase that Paul is using to introduce something very important to get their attention. Paul is saying, you really need to know this. In verse 2, Paul reminded them that in their former unsaved state, they were led astray by two things. They were led astray by Satan watering down the truth and Satan's counterfeiting the gifts God had given to believers. 
And now Paul is giving clarity here as to how to test in verse 3 these so-called spiritual gifts to see whether from God or from Satan. Just what are spiritual gifts that come from God through the Holy Spirit? Well, here's a definition with a few blanks to fill in. A A spiritual gift is a special ability. First blank is special. Special ability given by the Holy Spirit to every believer at their conversion. So the second blank, their conversion. To be used to minister to others. The third blank, minister. Minister to others. And the last blank, therefore build up the body of Christ. So a spiritual gift is a special ability given by the Holy Spirit to every believer at their conversion to be used to minister to others and therefore build up the body of Christ. Now, spiritual gifts are different than natural talents. When you were born and you started to grow up and you were a young person, you found out some things that you were talented with. Some of you were good at athletics. Some of you were good at academic things. Some of you were good at music. We could go on and on. And you think, for example, of natural talents, like somebody like Michael Jordan. That guy had natural talents. He could stay in the air longer than most people could when he jumped, right? He had a knack for athletic uh, skill and power and ability. Well, God gives every human being some natural gifts, and they have to be discovered. But spiritual gifts are primarily to build up the body, but they have two important side benefits. One, they help us grow personally in our spiritual walk and produce fruit that shows that these gifts are from God. Second of all, they can be used to reach lost people by their use. The gifts of helps, of service, of mercy, of wisdom, of evangelism are examples of gifts that can be used to lead people to Christ. So there's natural talents that all human beings have, but spiritual gifts, as we'll see later on in the message, come only to those who are believers in Jesus Christ. It tells us spiritual gifts are the ways God uses through people to do the work and ministry of the church. All of us are ministers of God. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, but you are a chosen race. And here's the key thing. You and I, we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. It's not just for the paid pastor. It's not for just the elders. But we are all part of the royal priesthood. And so he describes there our purpose, to bring people out of darkness into light. Here are 10 truths to know about spiritual gifts. This is taken from our Spiritual Journey 201 class, or 301, excuse me, class that we teach on this very important subject. 10 truths to know about spiritual gifts. One, only believers possess spiritual gifts. In 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Only believers possess spiritual gifts. Second of all, every Christian possesses at least one spiritual gift. One spiritual gift. In 1 Corinthians 7.7, Paul said, I wish that all were as myself, I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. He said, I wish you had my gift mix, but you don't, because God uses it, his desire to put the gift mix in us based on our personality, our passions, our desires. 
Number three, no one receives all, all of the spiritual gifts. In my opinion, there's 27 of them, and that's up for debate. You know, we can talk about that. Some of them are very clear in Scripture, and some are inferred, and some we're not sure of, but nobody possesses all of those gifts. 1 Corinthians 12 says, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating in various kinds of tongues. Number four, no single gift is given to everyone. Okay? No single gift is given to everyone. Not everybody's an evangelist. Not everybody's a mercy shower. Not everybody has the gift of hospitality. It tells us later on in 1 Corinthians 12, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret. Fifth one, we're halfway through this list. You cannot earn or work, earn or work for a spiritual gift. Ephesians 4, 7, it's given to us by grace. It says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Just as we receive Christ by faith through grace, we have to receive these gifts by grace. It's a gift given to us from God. Thus, that's why we call them spiritual gifts. Number six, the Holy Spirit decides what gifts I get. The Holy Spirit decides which gifts, the mix of them that you get. And I believe everybody has more than one in general. There may be people who just have one, but... I believe God gives us a gift mix. And it tells us in verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 12, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. If you read 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14, Paul goes into tremendous detail about this subject that we won't have time to go into that level of depth. So I encourage you to read that. He gives great information on how what these gifts are and how they're to be used. Number seven, the gifts I'm given are permanent. Permanent, Romans eleven twenty nine 29, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable, okay? So it doesn't mean, as I've learned in my Christian experience, I have several gifts, and every time I take a spiritual gift test, teaching and administration go back and forth between one and two, but I believe God elevates some of different gifts in different seasons of our life as well. Um, so, but they're given to us and they're with us for the rest of our lives. Number eight, I'm to develop the gifts God gave to me. It's not enough to have the gift. It's good to get resources and ways to work through and improve that gift. And Paul talks about that in 1 Timothy 4.14, do not neglect the gift you have which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. In 2 Timothy 1.6, Paul says, For this reason, Timothy, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. We fan into flame by developing, by practicing, by improving on that spiritual gift mix that God has given us. Number nine, it's a sin to waste the gifts that God has given to me. It's a sin. It's wrong. In 1 Corinthians 4, it says, Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Faithful. The great violinist Nicola Pagnini 
played and played and played, and he developed and created his own violin. And when he died, he willed it to the city of Genoa with one request that nobody ever play it again. And so it was placed in a, in a glass case in a museum. And uh, as Kendra and others could tell you, the instruments are made to be used. And they need to have, uh, they do get slight wear when they're used, but they last longer. This violin became worm-eaten, filled with holes, and nobody would be able to play it once again. A Christian's unwillingness to serve may soon destroy his capacity for usefulness. If we're not using our gifts, we're going to lose it. Number 10, using my gifts honors God and helps me to grow spiritually. Honor, honors God and helps me to grow spiritually. John 15, 8, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So the application, here you go, to apply to your life where the rubber meets the road, do you grasp God's perspective on how important your spiritual gifts are to grow you personally and in ministry? They're not given just for us to hoard. They're not given to us to keep like water in a sponge. God expects us to wring that sponge out to use these gifts and ministry to build others up. So God will use us to do the work of his kingdom. What an amazing thought that God would take a sinful man, redeem that person, fill him with the Holy Spirit, and then use us, use mankind for his kingdom work. What are the spiritual gifts used for, second of all? What are the spiritual gifts used for? We look at verse 4, 4 through 7 in 1 Corinthians 12. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That means for the benefit of all in the body. For what's best. Verse 11 of that same chapter says, All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. He has a unique purpose and a reason for why he made you who you are and then gave you these spiritual gifts and then the natural talents and your personality and all these things mixed together to carry out the design purpose that God has for you. Reminds me of Ephesians 2.10, you know, before time God created us to do good works, which he prepared for us in advance to do. He's the designer, the maker, and he knows what's best for us. So we see a variety of gifts, a variety of gifts, God gives to all liberally, and he is so creative and unique in his nature. And isn't it great as we say, a good, good father, that our, our father is one who loves to give gifts, especially to his children. It says in Matthew 7, 11, if you then, who are evil, speaking of us and our sinful nature that we still possess, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? In James 1.17, every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. He gives to all equally, fairly. Doesn't show favoritism. God gives many gifts. And I believe the church family here at Pleasant View Baptist Church has all the spiritual gifts this church family needs to do God's work. Let me say that again. 
I believe the church family here at Pleasant View Baptist Church has all the spiritual gifts this church family needs to do God's work. We complement each other. We work together in harmony. And this week is probably one of the best pictures of that. As we begin VBS and we think of all the volunteers and all the different uh, responsibilities and people are in their area, hopefully in many ways of their giftedness. And we gotta depend on one another to make sure that the snacks are just right at the right time and, and Terry has all the games just right and all these things. So we get to experience this very thing this week. So a variety of gifts, but also a variety of ministry opportunities. That's why he gives gifts as well. We have like 19 ministries in our church if you break down all the things that we do. And each one of us who are Christ followers and God's ministers have a very important and unique ministry or ministries to serve and to give to others. A number of us are in various ministries, not just one. And those ministries are based on the passion people have and the gifting that God has given to each one. One gift or ministry is not better than another. You know, we have Danny over here and he's got the gift of service and helps. He's cutting the grass. He's taking care of the building. We got the fellowship team led by Patty and Patty Lee and Pat Stewart, and they oversee the fellowship lunches. And what they do is just as important as what I'm doing right now, that we all work together. There's not one thing that's better than another. That's important to remember. And then a variety of unique fruits, unique fruits. Different kinds of gifts produce different fruit. Evangelism, the person who has a gift for evangelism, they have a, somehow they have a, a special track on winning people to Christ. Teaching is doing discipleship. Wisdom may be counseling and sharing discernment on a ministry team and leadership. The gift of helps is ministering to people's physical needs. Exhortation and prophecy are used in the worship service to teach, to exposit God's word during the message time. And then a variety within one spirit. Think about that. One spirit. You know, you look at Galatians uh, 5 when we talk about the fruit of the spirit, nine manifestations. But then you think about all the spiritual gifts on top of that. A variety within one spirit. God and the Holy Spirit are always the source of all true spiritual gifts. And be sure that Satan will try to counterfeit spiritual gifts to deceive and to bring confusion. Christ followers do not pray for certain gifts but live through their personality the gifts that are already given to them. You cannot possess these spiritual gifts apart from knowing Christ as Savior and the indwelling Holy Spirit evidenced in your life. Take your Bible, turn over to Acts chapter 9. I'm sorry, Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, verse 9. These verses are not going to be on the screen, so I encourage you to take out the Pew Bible or your phone or the Bible you brought with you. Acts chapter 8. Here's a guy who wanted to pay cash to get spiritual gifts in the encounter with the apostles in Acts chapter 8. But there was a man, verse 9, Acts chapter 8, verse 9, but there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. 
Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Verse 14. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For they had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. Notice he said, the gift of God. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you've said may come upon me. You cannot buy it. You can only receive it by grace. It's only received through the Holy Spirit. And there's an example of trying to describe that and explain that in Acts chapter 8. So here's the application for our second point. Do you realize that every Christ follower has a unique set of spiritual gifts to fulfill God's role and purpose in his kingdom work? And I hope you've discovered yours. I hope you have a sense of what they are. At the end of the message, we're going to talk about some, a tool that you could use if you would like uh, to check it out and make sure you know what your spiritual gifts are. So if you don't prey on the spiritual gifts and God simply gives them to us, how and when do I receive my spiritual gifts? When do I receive them? Well, you'll find uh, different uh, parts of the evangelical culture have different opinions on this, but to me this is very clear in Scripture. First of all, at the moment of salvation, because we believe that the Holy Spirit comes and indwells the believer when we come to the place when we confess our sin, when we say, God, I'm going to turn away from my sin, I'm going to trust in the finished work of Christ, that he died on the cross, my substitute, my payment for sin, that he was buried and rose again, and I ask you to be my Savior. I surrender to him. At that moment, when you finish that prayer, however you do it, then the Holy Spirit comes in. It says in Ephesians 1.13, in Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit's a down payment, a deposit of what is going to be given to you when you get to heaven. And it gives you that assurance and that peace in your heart. And then at the moment the Spirit indwells us, we receive these spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. And then it goes on and says, You are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God with your body. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So he's given us these gifts to indwell us and to help us. And then at God's choosing, at God's choosing, it's solely up to God to give what spiritual gift package to whom. 
We don't have a say in what we get, but God creatively packages his spiritual gifts for us, knowing our passions, our desires, our talents, our personality, to use us in the best way that he created us. In our spiritual journey class, Spiritual Journey 301, one of the things we do, we talk about exploring your talents. Find out what your natural talents are. This is to help you understand the full package of who God designed you. Study your personality. Take the DISC test, the D-I-S-C test, the Enneagram, Strength Finders, Myers-Briggs, some ways to find out more about who you are, your personality that God has made. Try different ministries in the church and see what clicks and works best for you and what does not. Ask God for his calling on your life. God's not a cosmic killjoy. He wants you to be used for his good pleasure and used in a way that you enjoy and love. And when I think about that, I think of Eric Little. And how many of you have seen Chariots of Fire? It's an older movie. Some of our younger generation may not have, but we're going to see a clip from it. But Eric Little was called to be a missionary to China. But not only that, he was an exceptional athlete for Great Britain. He was extremely fast, and he, he ran races, and eventually he made it to the Olympics. And his sister was upset because she was already working in China on the mission field and she wanted Eric to join her. And he, she thought it was foolish that he was running in the Olympics when God wanted him to be down there in China with her. And that leads us to this clip of what he says. Let's look at it together. I've decided I'm going back to China. The missionary service have accepted it. Oh, <laughs> oh I'm so pleased. So I've got a lot of running to do first. Jenny. Jenny, you've got to understand. I believe that God made me for a purpose. For China. But he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. To give it up would be to hold him with contempt. You were right. It's not just fun. To win is to honor him. Jenny. Jenny. In that he said this quote, I believe that God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel God's pleasure. He just knew that God wanted him to do that. And so our application is this, it's salvation. Did you sense the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and a sense of God's gifting in your life? And some of that, as you grow and as time goes along, you sense what that gift mix is, what it is that God would have you to do and how to fulfill the calling of the purpose in your life. I should just add here that, you know, we're indwelt with the Holy Spirit, but Ephesians 5 tells us that we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I believe that's something that we have to ask for continually on a daily basis. And filling means that you're saying to God, I'm going to give you every area of my life. I'm going to let you be Lord of my life. And I want your spirit to flow through me instead of my flesh. It says, you know, do not be drunk with wine where it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So we have all of the Holy Spirit, we can't get any more of it, but the question is, does he have 
all of us. That's what the filling is, is giving surrender to the areas of our life. Our final point this morning is this. What are the spiritual gifts and why were they given? What's, what's the purpose? And what are some of these spiritual gifts? Look at verses 8 through 11 of 1 Corinthians 12. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as God wills. So spiritual gifts are given not for my benefit, but for the benefit of others, primarily. They're not given just for you, but they're given to be given to other people. That's a good reason why it's important that the church family gathers and meets together in corporate worship. So these spiritual gifts can be used with the largest gathering each week. And then when we break down into our various ministries, people have a passion and a gift to work in Awana and use their spiritual gifts there to work uh, leadership of the connect group and teaching in our Sunday school, nursery, up through high school, children's church, our Thursday night men's group and Saturday morning men's breakfast where we have teaching there and discussion as well. I think of Celebrate Recovery, Chaos Student Ministry, Healthy Through Grace, and we could go on and on and on, but those are more individualized or smaller groups where spiritual gifts are being used by people leading those things and not just leading, but participating in them as well. Spiritual gifts are given to produce maturity and harmony in our church family. We need each other to grow in a balanced way in our Christian life. We still need time alone in God's word to pray, to read, to meditate, to memorize God's word, to grow personally, but there has to be an outlet for what we have learned to share with others. Uh, this past Monday night, uh, some of you watched the Grand Monday Nights, Legacy Coalition, Grandparenting Ministry, and they had Richard Ross on, and he had a PVZ pipe about this long, and he put it to his heart, and he talked about how he put it to his son's heart, and he communicated spiritual truths. He was giving of himself to invest and mentor into somebody else's life. And that's the picture. We are a conduit of the Holy Spirit uniquely using our gifts and our talents and our personality to connect with people. And I would say sometimes even connect with people in a way that nobody else can. You know, I'll never go to your workplace most likely, but you connect with those people. There are people that because of your personality, you'll connect better with than others and your spiritual gifts. And so we need to be aware of how we can use them. And the more we prepare to use our gifts and the more they're used, the better the skill level is as one uses their spiritual gifts. The more you use it, the more, uh, the more useful they are, the better they are, the better skill that you have. As I said earlier, if you don't use it, you lose it. In, in high school, I took two years of French. I probably know two lines now. Because if I was in Ottawa or somewhere where it was conversation every day, I'd retain it, right? But now I remember probably two or three things from that French class. And if you don't use it, you lose it. Spiritual gifts, number 27 in all. 
Now, don't take that as hard and fast. That's my opinion. You could read a lot of books and you're going to get different numbers. But let me share with you three areas where I think we would all agree on, and then I'll share with you some things that are from my opinion and what I've seen over time. Romans 12, and you don't have time to write these down. I can, and also Jeremy puts this uh, manuscript online if you want to see it after, but just want to go through them and think about them from your perspective. Prophecy, preaching from God's word, service, doing ministry, teaching, exhortation, stimulating faith, encouraging other people, giving, that's contributing, someone who feels a generous spirit within them, sharing with other people. Something warmed my heart the other day as I listened to the news, I think it was yesterday, that a couple went to Pizza Ranch and they had this regular person serving them and they noticed that he was full of integrity and always jovial and took care of them and they left him a $2,500 tip, encouragement. That's, that's a picture of someone who has the gift of giving. Leadership, authority, ruling, administration, mercy, sympathy, comfort to the grieving, showing kindness. You find those in Romans 12. In 1 Corinthians 12, where we've been camping today, it talks about wisdom, wise counsel, wise speech, knowledge, studying, speaking with knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, discerning of spirits, tongues, speaking in known languages. Some believe in prayer language, but known languages that you've never learned before. And then prayer language, interpretation of tongues, apostle, helps, administration. That would be like in administrations of governments or business or church or school or building and leading teams of people. That's what administration is. Now, a side note before we go on, Everybody says, well, what about those sign gifts? You know, tongues, interpretation of tongues, laying on of hands for healing, miracles, signs and wonders. Well, you've got to realize a couple things. Those were given in the book of Acts to help mainly focus on the unbelieving Jews to try to uh, authenticate that Jesus truly was the Messiah, that he rose from the dead, to convince them of that. But it was also a sign to the Gentiles to see the wonders of God at work. And so today there's some that believe in the cessation of these sign gifts, which is tongues, interpretation of tongues, laying on our hands for healing and miracles. And they point to 1 Corinthians 13, and there's a verse in there that says that these things will occur until the perfect one has come. And uh, that verse is kind of up for interpretation of what that means, but they take it to mean from their perspective that when the canon of scripture is complete, when we have all the revelation, those uh, particular gifts will cease. And I don't agree with that myself, just my opinion. I think that God can still use these gifts. As I talk to my charismatic pastor friends here in the Quad Cities, they would say it's not something normal that happens in their services. It's not the norm, but there are other parts of the world where gifts are being used. There's other parts of the world where healing is going on. So I don't want to put God in a box and say he can't. What do I do with the Muslim who becomes a believer in Christ that had a dream of Jesus Christ, seeks out a Christian and becomes a believer in Christ? So we have to allow for God to use these things in his way. But in the norm, I think these gifts are not for uh, our current church services today. Then we go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4 an evangelist and pastor. 
So I think everybody in the evangelical world would agree with those, but here's some other gifts that you may or may not think are gifts, but Paul makes a great case for 1 Corinthians 7 of celibacy. He says, I wish you were like me, you know? You wouldn't have to uh, worry about the cares of a family. You would be able to focus more on the Lord. So some may be called to a life of celibacy. Voluntary poverty, we think of uh, Mother Teresa, who grew up in a very wealthy family, and she took a vow of poverty to go over to India and to serve lepers and the poor in that nation. Martyrdom, not all of us obviously are gonna be called to martyrdom, but some, but some are. Hospitality, being a missionary, some believe these are spiritual gifts. And then other gifts not mentioned in scripture, but could possibly be inferred is someone who is a prayer intercessor. Have you ever met somebody that man, prayer is their spiritual gift? Like they have a prayer room, you see War Room, for example, the movie, and they have a room and, it, and they just spend exorbitant amount of time in prayer because they're called to that. I believe that's a spiritual gift. And also deliverance from demons, exorcism. We don't see that a lot in our country, but that occurs. And so as you look at that list, you identify several from this list that you could point to as your spiritual gift. Maybe you have already discovered your spiritual gift package and have been using those gifts for a while. Are you seeing blessings and fruit from your service? Be mindful that there are many people in our church family and our ministry opportunities are out and in the world that need us to share with them the gifts that God has blessed us with. And so maybe you're here, maybe you're not sure that you really understand what your spiritual gifts are. Or maybe it's been a while. So I had Carrie make five copies of the Wagner Modified House Questionnaire, which we use in our spiritual journey 301. There's five copies out there. You take this test, it's self-grading. It helps you identify what your top, I think five gifts may be and what priority they are, which are the stronger ones. And then from there, uh, it defines those for you. And then our church offers training in certain areas of ministry with those opportunities that if you figure out what your gifts are, then we steer people into their area of giftedness and passion to serve here in our church. So the application, how are you seeing God use the spiritual gifts in your life to minister to others? Do you get a sense of satisfaction and pleasure when you see and sense that God is using you and you see fruit from your labor? You know, I love sitting with the Spark kids and listen to them memorize verses. That humbles me, those little kids, and how much they're just like a sponge absorbing God's word. Those are the kind of things where you just sense that God is using something as simple as helping a child memorize a verse of scripture and what difference it's making in their lives. There's a story about a man named Ralph Samuelson, and some of you are really glad about Ralph Samuelson because 101 years ago in 1922, this man from Minnesota went to a local lumberyard, and most people would have said that Samuelson found two ordinary eight-foot pine boards. But Samuelson had a more creative idea. He saw, when he was looking at that rack of lumber, two water skis. Here's the backstory on how he invented water skiing. Samuelson lived in Minnesota and wondered if you could ski on the water the way you could on snow. At age 18, he made his own skis and had his brother pull him behind his boat. He unsuccessfully tried snow skis. He tried barrel stays before realizing that he needed something that covered more surface area on the water 
So when he was at the lumber yard, that's when the idea came. He spotted these eight, two eight-foot-long, nine-inch-wide pine boards. So using his mother's wash boiler, which we don't know what those are today, but that was a big uh, copper kettle that they heated water in to do the laundry with, to wash clothes. He dipped the ends in, and he curved the ends up so that uh, he would be ready to go into the water. And then he clamped with the tips with vices so that he could, or, or he clamped tips on the end with vices to curve them. Then he took leather straps to hold his feet in place. And he got 100 feet of window sash cord. And he got a blacksmith to create a handle for him to tie the rope to. And he got ready and he had his brother take him down and they got to the lake in Minnesota. Samuelson tried several different approaches and most of his attempts, he started with the skis level or in the water and immediately he began to sink as soon as his brother took off with the boat. But finally, he tried something different. He made the tips of the skis, he leaned back and the tips of the skis were out of the water and it worked. And his brother steered the boat, Samuelson cruised around the lake and to this day, this is still the position that water skiers assume. Samuelson began performing tricks on his skis in crowds as large as 1,000 came out to watch him. What if Ralph Samuelson never saw or used the talents God had given him to figure out how to water ski? What if he didn't see two water skis when he saw those boards and had a dream and had a vision? So here's our key thought. How well do you understand your spiritual gifts? And how are you growing in maturity as you use these gifts to minister to others? So if you already know your spiritual gift mix and are serving, I just want to thank you. And please continue to use to sharpen your spiritual gift mix and bless others as you use your spiritual gift mix to serve other people. Here's three things, three questions to ask as we close today, do you need to learn what your spiritual gifts are? As I said, I got this questionnaire. If I need to print more, I'd be glad to do that, but they're out there. And maybe you'd like to do it again. It's been years. I encourage you to do that. Second of all, you're currently developing and using your spiritual gifts effectively. And are you seeing the fruit of your, using your spiritual gifts in the hearts and lives of others? That's what, that's what keeps you going. Especially when we think of Wednesday night, we come to Awana and Sometimes our leaders, we're all tired, and those kids just energize us when we see them memorizing and learning God's word. When we see fruit in our lives, it keeps us going and remaining faithful. Let's bow for prayer. Maybe you're here this morning, and maybe you say, you know, I need to do a better job about developing my spiritual gift. In this age of the internet, there are so many resources out there that I never had when I was a young Christian. And so I would encourage you to talk to myself, talk to one of the elders. We'd be glad to point you to some resources to help you sharpen this area of spiritual gifting in your life. And maybe you're here today, I just encourage you, if you're not sure what your gifts are and how you can serve, this is your opportunity to take advantage of that and grab one of these spiritual gift inventories and talk to myself or the elders about how you can serve using your spiritual gifts. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. As Francis Chan wrote, sometimes we think of you as the forgotten God. We, we just take you for granted in our life. You are the third person of the Trinity, and yet you live within us as believers. You indwell us, you fill us, 
You empower us with the same resurrection power that brought Jesus out of the grave, that gives us the ability to overcome sin and then to be used by you. The miracle. We thank you that you have no other plan to do your kingdom work but through your people. And so, Lord, help us to be royal priests, ministers, and use our spiritual gifts to minister well to others. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.